Well, good morning, ladies. You guys look so good. You look wonderful. Well, welcome back to day two of the Abounding Conference. My name is Laura, and I'm excited, and I'm humbled to be able to share with you today. Tina spoke last night on what it means to abound in the work of the Lord, and I left last night encouraged to be obedient in the calling that the Lord has placed on my life. I have titled this message, Abounding in the Waiting, so go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis 6, and we're going to pray and then dive in. So with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, if you don't have a Bible, we have um, abounding leadership team members willing to come bring you one, so if you just want to raise your hand and they will bring you a Bible. So Lord... We just thank you for each lady here in this room today. Thank you for your sweet presence here in this room. I pray that you would tenderize our hearts as we hear your word. I pray for your words and not my own. And I pray for every lady in the room that they would know how much they are loved by you. God, I pray that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you, but I am not very good at waiting. I get impatient when I'm put on hold. I'm quick to find another restaurant if the line is too long. I will avoid the lines at the grocery store and intentionally find the shortest one because I don't like to wait. I will find different routes to get home to just avoid traffic. I don't like waiting. And the last trip I went on, I got to go to Universal Studios in Florida. And at a theme park like Universal Studios, they don't call it a line, they call it a queue. Universal Studios even provides you an estimate time it takes to go on the, estimate time it takes to go on the ride. You can additionally, you can get the app and the app is going to allow you to compare times with other rides in the park to maximize your time. They have even a created virtual queues. This allows you to request a time before you even have to wait in long hours in the queue. That information is all at the consumer's fingertips. And before they even enter the queue, then once in the queue, the theme park companies have invested in telling a story in the effort to keep you entertained and to keep you distracted from the amount of time it takes to actually go on the ride. The queues at Universal Studios, they are elaborate, and if you've been there, you know this to be true. The newer rides have very elaborate animatronics in their queues. However, one of my favorite rides is E.T. <laughs> The E.T. Adventure is the last remaining opening day ride when the park opened in the summer of 1990. The E.T. Adventure queue begins with Steven Spielberg, who's the director of the film, and he is in the forest with E.T., and he's telling the riders how you're going to get E.T. home to save his planet. And Steven explains to us that we are going to enjoy this ride with E.T., right? So then you enter into another part of the queue and you are waiting for a guest member, team member of Universal to ask you your name. 
And once they ask you your name, they give you an interplanetarium passport. Spoiler alert. <laughs> E.T., on the ride at the very end, will thank you and congratulate you by name at the end of the ride. Super cool. After you get through that part of the queue, you enter into another part of the queue. And I believe there's a picture on the screen for you to see. And this part of the queue is so detailed with large trees, the sounds of the forest, with owls and crickets, and it smells like pine trees. Every last detail in the queue is helping set the stage before you eat, join E.T. and friends on the adventure. Theme park companies like Universal Studios have, been, have become crafty in delivering an experience for consumers in the waiting. Its sole purpose is to keep the consumer preoccupied with the amount of time it takes to actually go on the ride. Why? Why do they go to these great lengths to keep you entertained? Well, it's easier to keep an existing customer than it is to attract a new one. And these companies want to keep their, their consumer satisfied and then they know the waiting can deter people from coming back. So in order to keep people satisfied in the waiting, they create an elaborate process with wait times, animatronics, elaborate scenery, and a storytelling process that starts before you get on the ride. Moral of the story, we are not very good at waiting. Waiting is not very fun at times, and at times it can be very difficult to wait. Waiting in line for a roller coaster is a trivial situation. However, most of us are waiting on something of greater value in our life. And in this room, you could be waiting on being accepted into a college, Maybe you're waiting on finalizing a major. Maybe it is you're waiting on a career after school. Maybe you're waiting on the right direction for your life. Maybe you're waiting on finances. Maybe you're waiting on healing. Maybe you're waiting on a relationship. Maybe you're waiting on an engagement. Maybe you're waiting on marriage. Maybe it is waiting on starting a family and having kids. Maybe it's waiting on fill in the blank. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down whatever it is you're waiting on. Whatever it may be, we are all waiting on something. The most important thing we should all be waiting on is the Lord's return. So if we're all waiting on something, how can we reflect 1 Corinthians 15, 58? How can we be steadfast, aboundable, <laughs> steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord? even in the waiting. Well, let's look at scripture and see how people in a season of waiting abounded. Many people throughout scripture experienced a season of waiting. And here are a few examples of people in the Bible that waited. Noah spent many, many years building the ark. Abraham waited 25 years for a son. Jacob waited 14 years to marry Rachel. Joseph was thrown into slavery by his brothers, and he waited for freedom. He waited for his dreams to be fulfilled. He also waited to be reunited with his family. Joseph waited 13 years before he became second in charge to Pharaoh. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness with the Israelites, and he didn't even get to enter the, into the promised land because of his disobedience. Mary waited for the fulfillment of the promise that her son would be the Messiah. And Jesus, he waited 30 years for his ministry to begin. 
That is just naming a few from the Bible. So if you're waiting on something, ladies, you are in good company. Let's look at Noah. Noah is a story most of us know. However, it can be easy to overlook the amount of time and, and waiting that Noah and his family went through. Noah spans over Genesis chapter 6 through Genesis chapter 9, and we will be looking at different parts throughout this message. So turn with me to Genesis 6, starting in verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. What we see taking place in chapter 6 of Genesis is that God is upset with all of humanity and why he wants to wipe all of humanity out. In verse 6, it says, God regretted his creation. And in verse 7, his plans of blotting out all of creation. However, in verse 8, we see that Noah finds favor in God's eyes. And in verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. That word blameless means without finding fault. And if we look back a few verses in Genesis, starting in verse 1, it says, When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. We see here that something good in God's creation is being used in disobedience and sinful rebellion against God. Noah stands apart from the sin. This is important because it doesn't mean Noah was without sin or that Noah was perfect. If you read on later in chapter 9, Noah does sin. However, God found favor with Noah, and Noah stood apart from the disobedience of his generation. And ladies, I pray that would be our heart in this room, that we would stand apart from the disobedience of our generation. Moving on in verse 9, it goes on to say, Noah walked with God. So the first point, if you're taking notes, is Noah abounded by walking with God. Noah spent time with God. Noah didn't just assume the plans that God had. He didn't assume that God would build the ark for him. Noah didn't rely on his own strength or his own understanding. Noah spoke to God. How did Noah know what the ark would be made of? God told him to use gopher wood in verse 14. How did Noah know how long and wide to make the ark? Again, God told him the length of the ark would be 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. And, and we see that in verse 15. And just to give you some perspective and modern measurements, the ark would have been 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. That would be about 43,000 tons. That would be the length of one and a half football fields. 
This was not a small project that Noah was tasked with. And the only way it was possible for Noah to survive the floods was God. God alone. Noah didn't just assume the plans God had. He didn't assume that God wanted him to just take his family and build a small boat. Noah walked with God in order to build the ark that God intended. But most importantly, he walked with God before the storm. That is so important. I think oftentimes we turn to God after we've already entered into the storm. We use God as an emergency line and not as a preventative measure. You see, we often assume the plans of God instead of listening to what God has, and we can miss out on his protection when we're not walking in his will. Noah was prepared for the storm because he already had all that he needed. He had God. In order to abound in the waiting, we must be walking with the Lord. We must find our true satisfaction in him and not in our circumstances. We must be speaking to God and, more importantly, listening to God. Noah didn't just hear what God said. He did what God said. James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If we look back at verse 9 in Genesis 6, Noah took action. It says, Noah walked with God. Walking is an action verb. If you want to get into a university, you have to take action and apply for it. If you want your finances to change, you have to take action and you have to save money. If you want what you wrote down today, then what are you doing to make that happen? We can't just sit around and physically wait for something to happen. We have to be active in the waiting. So if you're taking notes, in order to abound in the waiting, we must be taking action and obedience to God. We can't just sit around hoping that our finances will change or sit around hoping that God will drop the right man on your doorsteps. We have to be obedient in what the Lord is asking us to do. How did Noah abound in the waiting? Noah took action in his obedience to God. Noah could have been like, Well, it isn't raining today, so I'm just going to hold off building. Can you imagine if Noah waited for the rains to come before he started building? Can you imagine if he decided, I'm just going to not work on the boat today, on the ark? Those decisions would have been fatal for him. Noah didn't sit around questioning God's decisions. Noah didn't physically wait. He took action right away on what God was asking him to do, and he spent many, many years waiting. He waited for the ark to be complete, and while he waited, he was obedient to build. Noah waited for the rains to come, and while he waited, he brought two of every living thing on board. And at the end of Genesis 6 and verse 22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah was obedient to God's will versus his own. Noah was active in the waiting of God's promises. Noah then entered the ark, and it started to rain. And if you know this story, you know that it rained for a really long time. It didn't just rain for a few hours. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, causing the earth to flood. And this wasn't a cruise ship type of ride, ladies. It was torrential floodwaters. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a flood, but I can imagine that would be pretty terrifying. Did Noah experience fear and doubt? 
well, scriptures don't tell us that specifically. But if I can only imagine that the project of building the ark and God's anger towards humanity would, would cause some fear. And I don't know about Noah, but I know I have lots of doubts. And in that moment, I would be questioning the safety of the ark. I would be wondering if the waters would push us into rocks, if the, if the waves would crash over the top and the boat would start to sink. I'd be wondering if we'd have enough food for ourselves or if we'd have enough food for the animals. I just would have lots of questions. How long would it be before we got off the ark? Would I see land again? You see, in the waiting, we can let the battle of all of our doubts and fear deter us from our obedience to God. We play these narratives in our mind like we're not good enough. We're not capable enough. We're not deserving enough. Will I ever get that job? Will I ever get married? Will I ever experience healing? And on and on and on. And if you're not careful, we can start to play into those narratives. And we can take our eyes off the Lord and we can place them on ourselves. We take our eyes off all the Lord has done for us and we place it on all that we're lacking. We are not trusting God. Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Noah could have had some similar wonders about what God was doing. However, Noah didn't let the fear or anxiety deter him from the task at hand. Noah sought the Lord. And he was obedient to what God was asking. Noah shows us what it looks like to abound in the waiting by being obedient to God. Let's keep reading in Genesis 7, starting in verse 16, it says, And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. If you read all of Genesis 7, it says three times that Noah did as God commanded him. Again, we see Noah being obedient. And then the later part of verse 16, it says, and the Lord shut him in. God had his hand over, of protection over the ark. It wasn't in Noah's strength that they would be saved from the floods of heaven. It was the Lord's. I don't want you to miss that. It wasn't in Noah's amazing carpentry abilities or anything that Noah did in his own strength that they were saved from the floods. It was the Lord that shut them in. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you continue to read the rest of chapter 7 and 8, you see that the floods stop after 40 days and nights. The water prevails another 150 days, meaning it just sits there like a big ocean. It's not going anywhere. The waters are still, and it sits there for 150 days. And then after another 150 days, the water starts to recede, uh, meaning going down. Just imagine a big tub and God pulls the plug and the water starts going down. That took another 150 days. And then you see in chapter 8 and verse 14, the earth begins to dry up and Noah leaves the ark. The chronology of the timeline that Noah spent in the ark was a total of 370 days. Noah waited a year before he even touched the land. He waited for God's promise. Did you catch that? Noah didn't just wait for the floods to come. He waited 370 days, cooped up with stinky animals, family, 
and in-laws. And no offense, mom, but being stuck with stinky animals like in a zoo is bad enough. And then you throw family dynamics in there. That's going to test your waiting really quick. (laughs) Noah was willing to wait 370 days. How long are you willing to wait? Not only was Noah obedient to God in the waiting, Noah trusted God. Noah built the ark before he saw the rain. He trusted God that the rains would come. Noah trusted God when God told Noah that his family would be spared. He kept going even though he didn't know how long it would be or how long it would take to build. Noah trusted God when he couldn't see the full picture. Noah trusted God even though everything familiar to him was about to be destroyed. Noah trusted God when the storm came. He trusted God when the water started to rise over the mountaintops. And the, and the arcs began to sway in the waves. Noah didn't know how long it would be before God fulfilled his promise. But regardless, he trusted God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Proverbs 3.5-6 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. How can we abound in the waiting like Noah? We have to trust God even if we can't see the outcome, and even if the outcome looks a lot different than we want it to. We have to trust God that his plans are better than our own. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you continue to read in Genesis 8, you will see that Noah didn't just get out of the ark when it landed on top of Mount Ariat. Noah's first reaction isn't to get out of the ark. And I recently took a road trip to my cousin's wedding, seven hours. And I know my first reaction when I got there was to get out of the car. (laughs) And that was not Noah's first reaction. His first reaction, guys, was that he waited on the Lord. He waited on the Lord to say when. Oftentimes, when we want that job, we apply for the job, we get the job offer, and it feels as if we've landed, like the ark has arrived. But do we wait on the Lord before we say yes, or do we jump headfirst into the depths? If Noah would have gotten out of the ark on top of Mount Ariat before before God intended, Noah could have stepped out on the mountain, slipped in mud, and fell into the depths of the water below. The rain had stopped, and the ark was on the mountain, but the water remained for another 150 days. And it didn't recede again for another 150 days. And if Noah was not obedient to wait, things could have ended a lot differently. Noah was obedient in the waiting. He waited on the Lord. He waited on the Lord to say when. And he didn't take matters into his own hands. Then when they finally are able to get out of the ark, Noah and his family's first reaction is to praise God. And build an altar, which you can see in Genesis 8, verse 20. And then in chapter 9, we see God make a covenant to all living creatures to never flood the earth again. God designates a rainbow rainbow when the clouds are in the sky as a visible reminder of God's everlasting promise. God is a promise keeper. 
He kept his promise to Noah, and he keeps his word to us. What I love is Noah's response, his response to being on dry land. Noah doesn't just throw a party. You guys, Noah praises God. He, he, he praised God, guys. He waited, he waited, he waited, he waited for the ark to be built and for the rains to come. And then he waited 370 days and he continued to wait. And finally when he arrived, before he did anything else, he thanked God. Noah abounded in the waiting by giving God the glory. How did Noah abound in the waiting? Noah abounded by walking with God. He walked with God before the storm came and was prepared because he, had ar he already had all that he needed. He had God. Noah found his satisfaction in God. Noah abounded by taking action in his obedience to God. Noah didn't just sit around and wait for God to fulfill his promise. Noah did everything that God commanded him to do. Noah abounded by having faith in God. He trusted God even though he couldn't see the whole picture. He trusted God's timing and his will. Noah abounded by giving God the glory. Noah praised God for all that he had done for him and his family. Noah shows us in Genesis what it looks like to abound in the waiting, to walk with God, taking action in our obedience to God, to trust God fully, and to give God the praise. God was all that Noah needed. God was all that Noah needed before the storm came, during the storm, and after the storm. And I pray that we would wait well because our contentment and our satisfaction is in Christ. I pray that would be true for all of our hearts in this room. I just know this was so convicting for me and my own heart. I know my own desire, and, and that is to be in a relationship, and that's to someday get married and to someday have a family. And I've waited for what feels like a really long time. And in this season of waiting, I will see a guy at church, and I'll be like, ooh, the Lord provided today. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I introduce myself. But oftentimes, I'm quick to react to a new guy showing up to church without praying to God first. We think, ooh, this has to be from the Lord. He came to church. <laughs> but do we go to God and we seek him out in those moments? Lord, is this from you or are you asking me to wait? Because so often we react without asking God first. A good question to ask is, are you taking action out of obedience to God or are you taking action because of a lack of trust in God? Because I know for me, there are still moments where I wrestle and I can struggle in the areas of waiting. And in those moments, for you and for me, God is asking us, am I enough? Because you guys, if God is not enough for us now in this season, that won't change when you get the relationship, the job, the family, the fill in the blank, whatever you wrote down today, ladies. Things like a job, a relationship, finances, children, those things can't save you from the storms of life. Only God can. Are we choosing to trust him even if he doesn't provide the thing we are waiting on? When we are worshiping at the feet of our desires versus worshiping at the feet of Jesus, we are saying that he is not enough. We need to repent. 
and surrender our wants and our ways for his ways. So if you're in this room today waiting on something, know God is sovereign. And we can trust on his promise, the promises of his word and who he is as our father. James 4.14 says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Guys, tomorrow is not even promised. The things of this world are not promised. And you shouldn't let that discourage you because we have promises from our Father that are eternal. His scriptures are the promises that we should cling to. Psalms 107.9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Isaiah 58.11 And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places. Whose, and you shall be, and make, sorry, and desire in scorched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hebrews 13 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for he has said i will never never leave you nor forsake you girls the bible is sprinkled with his promises and a great way to discover them is by walking with him in your waiting whatever you're waiting on today are you walking with god daily are you taking action in your obedience to god are you trusting him fully are you giving him the praise he deserves? I want you to think about those questions. If there is an area that is lacking, what is it? And how can you abound in the Lord as you wait? Let's pray.